You're now listening to the Hot Take Podcast with Stephen Blake, your source for everything fantasy football. Here are your hosts, Stephen Taroni of Fantrax HQ and Blake Sullivan of Roto Ballers. What is up? Welcome into the Hot Take Podcast. My name is Stephen Taroni. And joined by me, as always, is Blake Sullivan. We have a great show prepared for you today. Blake, how are we feeling? I'm loving it, man. I'm a little nervous. This is the big week. Still have a chance to make the playoffs, but a couple of tough weeks during the season kind of put me in a bad position for this week. So it's must-win situation for me, just like it is for my Packers. What, what is the exact situation? So you have to win, right? Do you need – if you win, are you in? Yeah, I have to win, and there's two other uh, five and seven teams that I have to have one of them lose. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, Ben is taking a nosedive, so you should be good there. <laughs> uh, we have a special guest on the show, Mike Leone of the Daily Roto. What's going on, man? Not too much. Thanks for having me on the show. Uh, ready for the, for some hot takes. I'm ready to dish them out. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, that's DailyRoto.com. Mike Leone, uh, DFS guru. I use that word, you know, sort of flexibly there, but uh, I've definitely been following your stuff, man. I've uh, been seeing your stuff on uh, Pat Mayo uh, here and there, and then sometimes on uh, Fantasy Pro. So it's cool to have you on the show, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I was glad to do it. You know, it's kind of funny. Uh, Steven asked me one time to do a podcast, and I was like out in New York City, and I was like, a, a bunch of drinks into the night. I was like, yeah, let's do the podcast. And I just like, I was like, oh no, I don't. I didn't. The next day, I was like, I don't. I don't have the time just because of all the DFS stuff and whatnot going on. And I had to be like, sorry, dude, I, I I can't do it. So I thought that was pretty funny. So I'm glad to be able to be on this show now. Yeah, that's what's up. So wait, you're saying that it was hangover related issues? So uh, well, when you asked me, I was you know several drinks in, and I was like, yeah, that sounds like an amazing idea, you know. And it it, it did sound like a fun thing, but then the next yeah. day, I was like, oh. I don't think I have the, you know, the time to carve out for this and it's more season long oriented and I'm more right. like on the DFS side of things. Yes. So. No, it was, it's fantastic to have you on. And then, you know, once <laughs> that was established, I was like, okay, let's throw in some DFS stuff. Cause we do from time to time. And I think we've Blake, have we done episodes uh, more dedicated to DFS before? Yeah, we did one that was kind of more dedicated to DFS. And then obviously we just had the, the last one was kind of just a playoff push, you know, looking forward. But, but I think moving forward, these next couple episodes are going to be a little bit more focused on DFS because, you know, you can't take each week for granted. So you really have to focus each week on you know, going out in the waiver wire, picking up guys that are cheap. Um, and a lot of those guys are going to be guys that you're going to play as value plays on FanDuel or DraftKings as well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, around this time is when I start getting really heavy into DFS because, you know, I can kind of feel the season – you know, if in a few weeks after I win the championship, obviously, uh, it's going to end. So that's all I'm going to have left is DFS. Is that traditionally how you feel, uh, Mike, when, uh, when the season ends? That's when you're jumping in more so? Um, I mean, I'm pretty into it from the get-go. I, I know we see a bump in traffic. You sure. Usually even like anywhere starting like six weeks in or so as people kind of drop off from their teams, you know, you start to see people playing a little bit more off and getting into more DFS as their seasonal teams kind of, you know, fall out. Obviously the people that are in the playoffs making pushes, they're still sticking with the season long, pretty hardcore, but 
um, slowly as teams get eliminated, people still want to be involved in fantasy football. So it's pretty natural uh, pivot over to just playing some DFS each week. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, you know, we have a really great contest tonight. We've got uh, the Saints coming in to Dallas, and they're actually eight-point favorites with the 53-point over-under. Um, Saints are obviously hot, but so are the Cowboys. The Cowboys look like they've found a little bit of a groove, and they're able to rely on their defense now, which, you know, is fantastic for an offense that is built around Ezekiel Elliott. So I think it's going to be a great contest tonight. Um, I want to start off. Trey, Trey Quan Smith is officially off of the injury report, so he's ready to go tonight. Uh, Blake, why don't you start us off? Are you playing Traquan Smith? I think in a DFS situation, I think it's a must play. Um, but in redraft, are you going to play him? Yeah, I don't know. It really depends on your team situation. A lot of places in redraft, he's probably going to be like, like your flex guy. Uh, I might look at playing him. But to be honest, I'm looking at this game, and I think it's definitely going to hit the under of that 53-point under. I think that's yeah. going to surprise some people with the Saints offense. But – that Saints defense has actually stepped up a lot the last couple of weeks. Dallas's defense has been playing really well. I think it could be a defensive game, and you're going to see a lot of Mark Ingram and uh, Ezekiel Elliott running the ball, picking up first downs. Uh, I think they're just going to keep the clock moving. I don't know if there's going to be a whole lot of points scored. Uh, so as far as Trey Kwan, I don't know how much they're going to get involved in the passing game, but you've got to look at guys like Carr, Kirkwood, and Michael Thomas that will be taking away targets from him. I think he's still going to be a solid play. You know, I mean – uh, he's, he's got touchdown upside, so he's going to be one of the one of the first targets probably after Michael Thomas. So he does have that upside, but you got to think that they're going to be running the ball a little bit to keep the ball away from Dallas too. Mike, how are we feeling about Traquan in in DFS? Let's say like a DraftKings situation, and then uh, would you play him in redraft tonight in in your flex spot? Yeah, I mean, he looks pretty good in DFS just from the standpoint of I mean, you've got Michael Thomas and Mari Cooper. Beyond that. You don't have, you know, any high-end receivers or even really any mid-tier receivers in this game. So obviously on DraftKings, you're starting at least threes. If you're making, you know, one lineup, but especially if you're making multiple lineups, you're going to want to mix in the upside of Traquan Smith there. Uh, the difficult part for me with him and the reason why I think I probably lean towards sitting in redraft leagues, which pains me to say because I love the Saints offense who doesn't, and I was a big fan of Traquan Smith coming into the year they've just been more spread out recently. You know, yep. we've seen some Keith Kirkwood in there. They had Tommy Lee Lewis, you know, activated off IR last week, and then he comes in and scores a random touchdown. You've got a little bit of Austin Carr. Uh, so it just concerns me. And then, as Blake said, he expects them to be running a little bit more. And they, we've seen that since Mark Ingram's been back from suspension, uh, that they've been a little bit run heavier than they were. And that matches up with what they did yeah. last season when they had both Ingram and Kamara. So the overall volume for Smith concerns me a bit where in redraft leagues, uh, I'd lean towards, towards sitting. We've got him projected for right around 10 DraftKings points tonight. And that's full PPR scoring, which is like, if you had to play him, you would, and you like the upside of the environment. But I think like that median projection on him is a little bit shaky just because I don't know how many targets he's going to see. So it sounds like, based on what both of you are saying, that Mark Ingram would be the better DFS play over a Traquan Smith. Is that, would you say that's correct, Mike, based on uh, your projections? Yeah, I think we've got him as the better per dollar value right now. 
Um, it, it's also a spot where you might want to go maybe like studs and duds where um, because of Draquan Smith's huge game that he had a few weeks ago before he missed, you know, the Thanksgiving day game, he had that massive performance, his salary's up that you might want to go studs and duds that even though he's the third best receiver in this game from an overall projection, you might want to mess around uh, with some of the cheaper receivers in this game, like on the Dallas side, Michael Gallup, Cole Beasley, like guys that don't certainly instill the same excitement and upside as Traquan Smith, but they give you that cap relief that, you can use towards paying for some of the studs, like whether it's Zeke, Ingram, Kamara. Uh, I think that goes a long way. And I think like, as I said, the medium projection, just because of the amount of targets between Toyquan Smith and Beasley Gallup, it's not a massive difference. He's obviously ahead of those guys, but I don't think uh, it's the gap is as wide as it probably sounds just based off name recognition. Yeah, I personally am taking some of those cheaper receivers. You mentioned Cole Beasley and Austin Carr uh, specifically. And, yeah, I use that to pay up for Zeke. And I got Amari Cooper, who is going to be one of those top two receivers, as you talked about. And then I did pay up for Dak. And that leads into what we're going to talk about now. Dak actually could be a great option at QB this week and tonight, especially if you're playing a single-game DFS. Yeah, I love Dak this week. Um, I think he's a great streamer. And, yeah, his price on, on, on DraftKings is great. Yeah, I, I think, we're, you know, we're pretty high on Dak. And I think using him instead of Breeze is actually might be the better way to play this slate, um, you know, just from a per-dollar standpoint uh, with the rushing upside for Dak. And as we mentioned, if it's a bit more of a run-oriented game and you don't get the huge volume for Breeze, it's harder to pay off that big price tag. So I actually think – you know, using Dak over – if you had to choose between the two, obviously there's some lineups in the showdown slate where you're going to be able to use two quarterbacks. But if you were just using one, I do think like that might be a contrarian move, but it might actually be right. a better per-dollar play. I love it. I love it. Yeah, before we move on from this game, I think that the narrative you guys are painting is that it's going to be more of a run-oriented game, which actually plays into like a Cole Beasley – if, uh, you know, there's going to be limited plays downfield uh, with Amari Cooper, which is could be the case because he's going to be covered uh, by Marshawn Lattimore. So we have to, keep, like, keep that into consideration. I want to say that Amari is going to be able to be a consistent guy. Uh, but, you know, I don't think that we can expect 180 and two touchdowns. Uh, that's not going to happen tonight. I think Cole Beasley is a nice play. I think he could get, uh, you know, maybe six or seven receptions tonight uh, if it's this sort of style of a run-oriented game. Um, But, Blake, can Amari be that consistent guy? Can he be at least a wide receiver two tonight, which I think would be just fine. What we don't want from Amari is he's in our lineup and he craps a bed. Yeah, I don't think he's going to skunk you tonight because he's got that touchdown upside. Uh, look at the targets the last couple of weeks. They've been going to him in the red zone. If it's not Zeke, they're going to Amari Cooper, uh, where it was Cole Beasley before that. And now Cole Beasley's kind of shrunk back a little bit with Amari Cooper being there. We saw him drop a touchdown last week uh, in that Thanksgiving Day game. But Amari Cooper's going to have that red zone target share, I think, Um you know, I, I just think he's going to have to be the guy they're going to go to. If it's not going to be Zeke, they're going to have to throw the ball, and I think you trust Amari Cooper the most. That's a good point you make with uh, the Cole Beasley drop because Jason Garrett is like the stubborn kind of guy who will call that play again this week to try to get Cole Beasley that touchdown. Mike, how are we feeling about Amari in, from a DFS perspective? 
So I, I think he's pretty safe in the redraft. I think he's a very good DFS play. And the interesting thing about this game, you know, it sounds like we're, you know, putting a more run-oriented, you know, painting that sort of brush on this game. And it's it's not that I, I think it's going to be low scoring or that we won't see any passing. It's just, uh, you know, with Dallas at home and with New Orleans spreading things out and just the way they operate with Mark Ingram, I just think we have to reevaluate that baseline versus when they were throwing left and right at the very beginning of the year. But with Cooper specifically, um, what we've seen from Dallas is they've been more condensed lately. We've seen so many touches for Zeke. We've seen a lot of touches for Amari Cooper in the four games with Dallas. He's got, you know, over a quarter of the team's targets. He's got 32 targets over four weeks. And I think that more consistent volume that he's seen that he didn't have in Oakland along with better efficiency, just because it seems like they're using him more creatively it makes him a pretty safe play. And I think you're playing him pretty much weekly right now. Uh, I think he's like locked in wide receiver too, that you're playing weekly and redraft. And because of that condensed nature that you're seeing for Dallas, you know, New Orleans is kind of the opposite. We're seeing things more spread out and, right. uh, it, you know, and it makes it kind of weird because the studs you'd think you'd want to play pay up for in the single game, you know, showdown type slate for DFS would be Michael Thomas, uh, Alvin Kamara, but, you know, I, I keep coming back to the Dallas guys when you factor in the salary is the guys I'd slot in first. You're still going to have room for some studs, but I think Cooper uh, from a per dollar standpoint might be, you know, a better play than Michael Thomas, as crazy as it sounds, given the absurd year Michael Thomas is having with like his catch rate being so high and everything. Right. Uh, I'm just a little worried that uh, these guys are are priced at their peak for the Saints, and things are starting to spread out, whereas Dallas is benefiting from kind of the opposite where they're condensing the targets a bit. Yeah, the, Dallas has some good corners too on the other side that uh, I think should be taken into consideration when we think about Michael Thomas. So maybe the other options are going to work this week. That's why I do like Traquan. I think that he is an awesome play in uh, – in redraft, I think you got to have some balls to flex him because you're definitely making like a, a decision at that point because you're going to start him over someone maybe like Emmanuel Sanders or something like that. So let's let's move on. Let's uh, go on to our DFS value RBs. Uh, we're going to talk about just like one guy that we're looking at this week. Blake, why don't you start us off? Yeah, I'll start us off. And I actually love this because I'm looking at the list and all three of these guys are in one of my lineups. So I don't know if that's bad because I went really cheap on running backs or if it's really good because there's a lot of value. But I'm going to start it off with TJ Yeldon. He's 4,400 on DraftKings, 4,800 on FanDuel. Uh, with Leonard Fournette being suspended for this game, it's going to be Carlos Hyde and TJ Yeldon. Yeldon's going to be kind of that more uh, pass-catching back that you know we've seen, we've seen game in, game out. But with one and last guy there, they're not going to be pounding Fournette as much. So that's going to mean more target share for Yeldon in the first place. Also, Blake Bortles isn't starting, so maybe they're going to use him a little bit more this week. They're going to rely on TJ Yeldon. And Carlos Hyde's been pretty inconsistent, haven't been able to trust him that much. So really looking for Yeldon to just kind of take this game over. Yeah, I think that Yeldon is safe because they're going to potentially get down. I think that most people would say they are with Kessler in, so Yeldon uh, remains safe where Hyde might go away if that does happen. Hyde, though, is actually 3300 on DraftKings, which is absurd. I think that's a crazy low price. Um, so I think he's definitely worth a look there, too. Um, Mike, who's your guy? My guy's Aaron Jones. Uh, he's a guy that 
I know a lot of like fantasy Twitter has been wanting to get this Green Bay job, you know, since day one, basically. Yep. And he's finally gotten it, and we've been rewarded and vindicated for wanting that to happen. Uh, him and I, I won't give away who your guy is yet, but him and your guy are actually first and second in football outsiders rushing DVOA this season. So the efficiency has been phenomenal for Aaron Jones and it's just a superb matchup against a bad Arizona Cardinals team that's going to lead to a lot of rushing volume for the Packers because the game script's probably going to be really favorable the Cardinals have allowed 25 more rushing attempts than the next highest team in the entire league so Hmm. when you're going to give him that sort of volume and that sort of game script I'm really into it he's also you know not only taken a hold of the rush attempts there for Green Bay, but we've seen him utilize a little bit more in the passing game recently. He's had a 16% market share of the team's targets over the last four weeks, and that's pretty meaningful uh, when you just add that as a complement to what he's able to do on the ground. So I'm really high on Aaron Jones this week. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that the similarities between uh, my guy and Aaron Jones because these two guys are actually tied at 5.8 yards per carry, uh, second in the league. And that's Philip Lindsay. So Philip Lindsay has come out of nowhere. Um, and, you know, before the season, I'm a big Royce Freeman guy. I thought that, you know, I was targeting Royce Freeman. And I didn't want to believe in Lindsay. I think I didn't want to even believe my eyes for like, you know, five weeks or something before I realized, like, oh, okay, he's really good. Um, and it's funny, too, because he actually, when you're describing Aaron Jones, it's like the same thing with Philip Lindsay. He's Game script proof because he's going to be used in the passing game, which is fantastic uh, for fantasy football. So he's 5,400 on DraftKings. And I think in this Cincinnati game, Driscoll's going to make some mistakes. I don't know how talented he is, but he's going to make some mistakes. I think that the Broncos will be able to control this game. So I just love that game script for Lindsey being able to finish this game and give you a touchdown that fourth quarter when you need it. So love Philip Lindsey this week. Uh, let's move on to our wide receiver value for the week. Uh, Mike, why don't you start us off here? Because I really like this one. And I love that there's a question mark after it in the doc here. <laughs> yeah, this, yeah, the, the show sheet, uh, I put Jarvis Landry question mark. Um, that should tell you my confidence level in this play. Jarvis Landry has lost me tons and tons of money in DFS this year. Uh, I'm a big believer in volume as the number one driver of what you should be looking at. The efficiency side of things can be a bit more volatile, which I know we just talked about it with the running backs. It's good to be efficient and have a lot of volume, but it can be a little bit fluky sometimes, you know, even over a course of 11 games, which we've seen with Jarvis Landry, he's at an absurdly low, like I think it's 5.7 yards per target with a 55% catch rate. So it's been, it's gone really poorly for him. He's always been a low yards per target guy, but that was because he was used in, you know, a shorter a dot type role in Miami. And they've tried to expand that role in Cleveland and use him down the field more. And it hasn't worked out that much, but at the end of the day, uh, the amount of targets they have, you know, they've just been there for Jarvis Landry. So I just keep banking on those targets coming through and just one of these weeks getting lucky on the efficiency side of things. And we've seen the Cleveland offense since Hugh Jackson, Todd Haley departed. Uh, it's run much more efficiently. 
you know, Baker Mayfield has been playing much better. And hopefully, you know, this is the week that that translates into some success for Jarvis Landry. He's just, you know, he's really cheap there in the mid tier. He's 5,300 on DraftKings. He's 5,500 on FanDuel for FanDuel receiver. That's like, that's your third ride receiver. Yep. Um, price tag is that low. Yeah, I actually love him in FanDuel this week for sure. DraftKings is, is, is a little bit tougher uh, to make that. Uh, it's interesting, you know, I had Jarvis as my like wide receiver 12 going into the season, but that was under the impression that at least Josh Gordon would be there. I think he needs that in order to, you know, cause it's like every game they know to cover Jarvis, they know what he's going to do. Um, and they give away like that over the top with him. They're not going to allow it, you know? So other players like Antonio Callaway and Rashard Higgins, they're able to work on the other side. So it's like he's almost missing that other guy say, to be able to work uh, more in the slot and in the middle of the field. Yeah, he's definitely more successful on those underneath routes. And if it's, you know, if the, the defense isn't going to respect over the top, they're able to jump on that type of stuff a lot easier. So, you know, hopefully with some of the success they've had the last couple of weeks, um, that starts to open up for him. Um, but it, it's, as I said, I put a question mark next to his name. So I do feel a little bit shaky about this. Uh, it just, for me, it was a tough week uh, to find like a value wide receiver that I really, really liked. I think you're going to have to take some chances on some guys. Yeah. Speaking of uh, taking chances, Blake, you're going to be taking a chance on a guy that really disappointed last week. Yeah, he disappointed last week, but if you look at the weeks prior to that, he's been one of the most solid receivers in the game, actually. I mean, not putting up eye-popping numbers, but you're going to need a guy in your lineup that's going to get you 10 points guaranteed. Uh, and for me this week, that's going to be Cortland Sutton. So a lot of the attention is going to be on Emmanuel Sanders. He's one of my favorite plays this week, actually, at the wide receiver position. But Cortland Sutton should be low ownership after his last week performance. He only had one catch for 14 yards. But if he can add in a touchdown and get 50 or 60 yards like he had been in the games before that, he could be in for a good game. You know, 10 to 15 points is where I have him at. Like I said, it's not going to be anything crazy, but for his price at 4,200 on DraftKings and 5,400 on FanDuel, that's going to open up a lot of things. If you want to go get uh, Tyreek Hill or Adam Thielen this week, uh, drafting Cortland Sutton is going to be a way to do that. Yeah, I love that play. And I think that, you know, kind of what happened with Traquan Smith a couple weeks ago, he goose egg your uh, lineup on draft on draft kings or FanDuel or wherever you played them uh and you didn't want to play him again uh but if you did you were rewarded with that you know 30 point game so it could happen with Cortland Sutton uh this Cincinnati defense is awful so anyone you play against them is a, is a great play um so I, I love that I think David Moore is a guy that needs to get more recognition uh I want to talk about him a little bit uh, 4,300 on DraftKings, 6,300 on FanDuel. He's not getting the snap count that you want, something like 60% of snaps. Uh, but when he's in the game, Russell Wilson knows to look for him uh, over the top because he wins jump balls. Uh, he is that kind of receiver that Russell Wilson trusts, especially when a guy like Doug Baldwin isn't uh, doing his job. 49ers are atrocious against the wide receiver. Um, so they just got torched last week, the week before that. Um, the week before that, they were giving up a lot of touchdowns to, uh, to wide receivers. Last week, uh, Lockett and David Moore were both great plays. I loved that Seahawks stack last week, and I think that they can do it again. So if you want to do a, a Russell Wilson, David Moore, Tyler Lockett stack, I think that'll work again. Um, 
with the Seahawks offense that's starting to click. So let's get into our DFS stack of the week. Uh, Blake, why don't you start us off? I like yours a lot. I'm wondering about Ebron. I haven't checked. If, is he practicing today? Because he didn't yesterday. Yeah, I'm not sure on his status today. I can pull that up here in a bit. Um, I've got two stacks that I actually like this week. The first one's going to be kind of obvious, but I'm going to say it anyway. Mahomes and Hill. And then I really like Chiefs defense. I think Chiefs defense is going to fly under the radar a little bit this week. They're very cheap, great value play. Uh, even if you don't stack them with Hill or Mahomes, that's fine. Chiefs defense going against Oakland. I think that Oakland team's kind of given up. Well, I think they gave up week one after they traded Khalil Mack, but uh, they've really given up. And the Chiefs need to win, you know. They're, they've had such a good season, but yet they still need to win because the Chargers are coming back, and they look really good. But my, my favorite stack of the week, going up against Jacksonville, these guys could be fairly low ownership. But with Marlon Mack, uh, his – his status is up in the air. Jack Doyle is out. Jalen Ramsey, uh, I'm not sure on his status either, but he was up in the air. So now you've got Andrew Luck, T.Y. Hilton, and Ebron all looking like great plays this week as they could be passing the ball quite a bit. Yeah, so Marlon Mack returned to practice today. Um, so he should be – it's looking good for Marlon Mack. And the report for Eric Ebron right now is he was spotted at practice. But they're not listing him as, as anything right now. But he was there. Um, so that's good. It would be interesting. I don't know what they will do at tight end if Eric Ebron didn't play because Mo Ali Cox is, is going to be out too. I don't know who they – oh, they would have Swoop. It would, be, it, would be, uh, it would be Swoop. That would be a good play. But uh, I think Ebron is going to play, um, if I had to guess. I love that, uh, I love that stack. I think that that's going to be a very low ownership. Um, and if they hit – then you're, you're gravy. And I think that Andrew Luck can do just enough. T.Y., all he needs is one play. Um, so I love that Colts stack. Mike, why don't you take it? Who's your stack of this week? I'm going to go with a Rams-Detroit game stack. I think, I think, I think like the number one stack Blake hit on, it's the Chiefs stack. Um, but if you're trying to get you – know, it's certainly not off the radar to go with the Rams offense. It's got a team total implied total in the low 30s which is really high it's a domed game against a Detroit defense that's been really bad but because of the emphasis on Kansas City and some of the other spots I think the Tampa Bay Carolina game is going to get a lot of ownership that uh, and because Todd Gurley carries so much ownership sometimes people don't want to stack off with the receivers so uh, I, I don't mind a you know, a double stack with Goff and two of the receivers, whether it's Woods and Cooks or taking a shot on Reynolds or maybe Everett at tight end, um, would rather do it with Cooks and, and Woods. But that's something that if the touchdowns just happen to go the way of the passing game and the rushing game, you're probably going to get paid off in a pretty big way. And that could force Detroit to pass a whole bunch. And they just don't have a lot of options right now. And we've seen that with Kenny Galladay's had 66% of the team's air yards the past two weeks. Uh, we've seen Bruce Ellington have 16 targets the last two weeks. He's really cheap on DraftKings, 3,500. So I don't think he has massive upside, but type of guy that, you know, in the right game environment could catch you six balls, you know, and that's going to get it done at such a cheap price tag. So I'm interested in doing a double stack with golf and running it back with one of the Rams or with one of the Lions receiving options. Yeah, I love that. I think Bruce Ellington, like if he can just get like one touchdown, um, that's all that would take because he's that floor is so safe. Um, yeah. Is it a strategy also to pair him with a guy like Galladay, just coincidentally that they're on the same team, but 
is that floor mixed with a Galladay kind of a good strategy to go with this week? I think if you wanted to like full game stack that that's okay because they just don't have a lot of guys to throw to, you know, TJ Jones, people thought might emerge. Uh, he's right. had one target each the last two weeks. Brandon Powell, I believe has been inactive the last two weeks. A guy, a lot of people thought might come in and take the slot role. So they just don't have much there. So if they, you know, you get in a situation where the Rams jump out early and, you know, you catch the passing touchdowns, right. You hit on them and you've got Detroit throwing the whole second half and they are a team that likes to run a bit more. They like to play at a slow pace and if they can't afford to do that. Uh, and if you've got carry on Johnson out again, which it looks like they might, um, you, you, you could see enough volume where both Galladay and, Ellington pay off. If I were going to play them together, though, I'd do that on DraftKings and not FanDuel. I, I like pairing teammates better on DraftKings just because the point per reception, guys can get high scores in a multitude of ways, whereas FanDuel, you really need the touchdowns. And um, you also got the 100-yard bonus on DraftKings that adds into that. So, And obviously, only one guy at a time can score a touchdown. So I think you kind of cannibalize your upside a little bit if you were to do that on FanDuel. But DraftKings, I think it makes a lot of sense. All right, so my stack of the week is the Bucks. They're pretty much every week a nice stack because Jameis Winston does spread the ball around, and you know they're always going to be passing. Uh, so I really like them this week in particular because I think the Panthers' defense is a defense that you got to target right now. This is their last four weeks. 29 points given up to the wide receiver position, 35 points, 22, 38. 170 yards, 226, 167, 268. Getting absolutely torched. And if we think back to that Thursday game against the Steelers, last week Kenny Galladay had a great game – or two weeks ago, I'm sorry. And then last week the Seahawks absolutely torched them. Uh, Tyler Lockett had a big day, David Moore – um, so I think that you can look at the Bucks right now and look at a guy like Chris Godwin with some value, 3,900 on DraftKings. Um, Adam Humphreys is a guy who has been getting a lot of targets. It's been used in the red zone a lot. Um, so these, these are guys to think about as a value, value plays. And then, of course, Mike Evans, um, you know, 8,100 on DraftKings. Uh, obviously, you have to pay up. But if he gives you that 150 and two touchdowns, which he certainly is capable of doing, then you're happy uh, and you missed out if you didn't get them. So I think the Bucks are a real interesting play this week. I think people are looking at the Panthers options because they're kind of targeting that Bucks defense. But I think that the other side is, is the better uh, value this week. Yeah. I like the Bucks a good bit this week. And as you said, you know, the Panthers options are pretty good and you can still use them and you can almost yeah. full game stack this one. Uh, what the Bucks always do to me, man, I just never know who to stack uh, yeah. whoever the quarterback is. And I've had a couple weeks, I had a week, a few weeks ago where I missed min cashing by like three points and I had Fitzpatrick in the game. I, I wish we could take team QB points for the Bucks. They've been uh, <laughs> killing me with those mid game switches. But if you look what they've done collectively, I mean, they're over 300 yards almost every week. They're at like two-plus touchdowns almost every week. So I really like the stack if you can pinpoint uh, which of the receiving options to do it with. I think almost all of them are viable. When I have a tough time deciding, though, I generally lean on just taking the cheapest of yes. the bunch. Uh, and in this case, it's probably going to be the lowest owned of the bunch, and that's Godwin, who you mentioned is just 3,900. I'm just rolling the dice on the cheap guy. If it hits, you don't need a whole lot out of him. 
for him to contribute. And there's still the upside that, um, you know, he's an immensely talented guy. It's just, there's a lot of miles to feed there. Yeah, if I did it, I'd be taking Bray, Godwin, and Winston. I'd probably stay away from Evans just because of his price. Humphreys is still a viable option, but like you said, I'm going to be taking the cheaper of the options if I can. When we look at what Bray's done with Winston, he basically has a touchdown in every game that he started. So uh, you definitely got to think that Bray's a good play this week, especially for his price. He's one of the cheaper tight ends, uh, at least on FanDuel. Yeah, no, definitely. And the Panthers are uh, atrocious against the tight end as well. So, yeah, it, it should be, you know, I mean, and then we're not even talking about Deshaun Jackson. Um, maybe we shouldn't be because James Winston is there, but Deshaun Jackson could easily have a good game uh, if he's on the field. Um, of course, he's always banged up. So let's get into some of these start sits. Now, Blake, uh, some of these at the top, are they from people on Twitter or are these just yours? Yeah, these are these are from uh, the Rotoballer chat room. And my apologies, I forgot to write down who they were from. I don't remember now. But, uh, yeah, these <laughs> did come from the Rotoballer chat room. So always a great place to go if you have start-sit questions because there's experts answering and uh, other fans as well that share their opinions. Very nice. Yeah, uh, so, you know, like Kyle Richardson actually will be a guest coming up on the hot take. Uh, within the next couple weeks. So let's get into these. James White or Josh Adams, and let's do this from a redraft perspective. Blake, why don't you start us off? Yeah, this one to me, at first when I was thinking about it, I was like, well, that's easy. It's got to be James White. Uh, But if you look at the target shares lately, with Sonny Michelle coming back, that's really ate into James White's production more than I thought it would. You know, there for a while, there was that couple-week stretch where both guys were doing so well together. Uh, and then Michelle got hurt, and it was just James White, and he was still doing well. But now that Michelle's back, uh, it seems almost like they're resting James White up a little bit, letting him get ready for the playoffs. Josh Adams has been getting the ball quite a bit over there in Philly, but I just don't know that Josh Adams is going to be able to produce like James White would, and especially in a PPR format where I think James White could catch quite a few balls out of the backfield, and he's still got a better touchdown upside. I think I'm still going to have to lean with James White. You can take it, Mike. I'm I'm 100% in agreement with Blake. I think it's a lot closer than it looks at first glance with Michelle back, with Gronk back. You know, the touches for White, they start to thin down a little bit. Rex Burkhead is back. I mean, so you've got competition now that you haven't had. They haven't been at full strength, you know, very much throughout this season. But ultimately, I just like that game environment, the touchdown upside more. I think it could get into track meet. That's one of the games we have the most projected plays in is Minnesota versus New England at Daily Roto, you know, we start with the play projections. And um, that's the only game we're expecting. I think it's like 62-plus attempts in terms of rushing and passing attempts for both teams. So um, with Blake, I'm going to lean towards White, even though I do like what Adams has been doing there for Philly. Yeah, this game is definitely James White uh, kind of script, it seems, with uh, a Vikings team that can be pretty high scoring. I think the Patriots going to have to pass the ball a lot. Uh, so just for that alone, I, I'm going to go James White. I think that Josh Adams is going to have the chance on you know national TV on Monday night to, to show his stuff. I think he might get a touchdown for you, uh, something like that. But I think that his upside is limited as far as his yardage is concerned. So something like maybe 60, 70 yards where James White can give you those eight, nine catches plus you know, a touchdown. And then whatever he gives you on the on on the ground, so yeah, I, I, three for three there. But that's pretty close, and I do like Josh Adams this week. I think that he's a solid RB two. 
So let's do let's stay with the Patriots backfield uh, with one of these Sony Michelle or Mari Cooper. Mike, why don't you start us off here? This one's I mean you guys are giving some difficult ones here. I think <laughs> this one's uh, pretty close as well. I'm leaning towards Amari Cooper. I've just been really happy with the target share that he's been getting. Uh, and you know that matchup against New Orleans, as we said, you know maybe it's a bit more run oriented than we thought, but it's still pretty high game total there. Um, you've got Michelle has a better touchdown upside. That's for sure. But I always worry about the floors on guys that don't catch the ball very much. And he's not someone that's going to catch the ball out of the backfield because of James White, who we just talked about. And uh, because of those lack of touches as a receiving back, um, that's why I'm going to give the nod to Amari Cooper here. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you there. And especially the point you made about catching the ball, you're going to get half a point at least in most, in most cases in DFS, you would in a lot of leagues, you're going to get half a point or a full point just for catching the ball. And Sonny Michelle's probably not going to catch the ball much with James White back there and Gronk back and Edelman. So Amari Cooper is going to be the primary uh, receiver in that offense, even though he's going to have a tough matchup. You got to look at that PPR upside just for catching the ball. And I think both guys have similar touchdown upsides just because they're going to be the guys that are getting the ball in that situation. Michelle's going to get the ball if they're running uh, inside the red zone. And Amari Cooper's going to be getting the ball from the receiving side if they're in the red zone. So I think both guys are going to be really close, but Amari Cooper's just going to have a slight edge of the upside for me. Yeah, if you don't if you don't get a touchdown out of Michelle, you could very easily have one of those very empty 60-yard games where you're like, what happened? And then you look closer and – it's a pretty normal game, you know, um, just because that's what happens when you're a pure rushing um, back in terms of fantasy value. Yeah, I love that take uh, because it, it would be like 13 carries for 60 yards. You're like, wait, what happened? Oh, it happened last week, but he got that touchdown, um, yeah. even though he had a big week last week. Um, it, it, I love, you know, starting a Patriots running back because you know that he's always going to be in that situation to score. He'll always be at the five-yard line you know, one yard line and have a chance. Do they do, you know, a bootleg? Does Brady just go over the top? Do they try to throw it to Gronk? There haven't been as many this year as we see in the past with like LeGarrette Blunt when he had that 18 touchdown season. But I do love M- Michelle. I would try to get both of these guys in your lineup if you can, you know, if it's possible to do that. But if you have to flex it, I would go Cooper for the upside because if you're thinking about benching Cooper and you do it, and then he goes off. I mean, having like 30 on the bench would just be, you know, that would be a deal breaker for you to get into into the playoffs. And you can't play scared at this point. So you would really have to play Cooper in that situation. Um, this is an interesting one. I, I If this guy has these four running backs, <laughs> kudos, man. And I was looking at it. I was like, okay, well, how did he do that? Yeah, yeah, you could definitely have all four of these running backs. So it's David Johnson, James Conner, Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb. The way I want to do this is pick two and then narrow it down from there to one. So Blake, why don't you start us off with that? Oh, this is so tough, man. You know, I think the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to throw out Chubb. I don't think he's going to be in that league. Uh, And like I said, I think, Oh, sorry. I don't know what I was thinking. I was thinking Carlos Hyde for some reason. Um, <laughs> oh, wow, that, that's pretty bad. Yeah, so Chubb. Okay. The Cleveland. You might have back. to come back to me. I had a huge brain slip right there. Oh, no, it's all good. So now you know who it is. You can take it from there. <laughs> all right. So uh, Connor kind of disappointed last week. So if this is, 
you know, DFS, I'm really liking Connor because I think he's going to be a little bit more low ownership. But I don't think that you can trust him as much in your in your normal leagues. Um, and with Aaron Jones, my only concern is that they're not going to be holding back. They're going to be trying to throw the ball. Uh, try to hit those receivers. And, I mean, Aaron Jones can receive out of the backfield, and he's done quite well at it. But I don't know that they're going to try to use him as much as they have the last couple of weeks. So I'm a little bit concerned with Aaron Jones. Whereas Chubb and DJ, those guys have nothing to lose. And the Packers have been decent against the run, but they haven't been exceptional. And David Johnson can receive out of the backfield. Uh, David Johnson, he's, he's the only player to account for the most percentage of plays on their team. So you know David Johnson's getting the ball. Basically, he's getting the most shares of the ball out of anybody in the league. So for me, it's going to have to be Chubb and DJ. Uh, I'd really like to get Aaron Jones in there as a flex if I could, or Connor. That was that was funny. Mike was like Cleveland running back. <laughs> like I just <laughs> football. I, I don't know why I was thinking. <laughs> I was thinking of Carlos Hyde for some reason. I mean, I, I could see I could see the mix up. You know, it was Hyde's job for a while until Chubb took it. But man, this is you know four absurd options, and you could make the case that yeah, he might have gotten three of these guys off free agency and the one he drafted in the first round might be the worst of the four. Unbelievable. <laughs> you know, kind of insane. Uh, Blake and I have been in lockstep quite a bit through this show, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go the opposite of him here. I think uh, Aaron Jones and, and James Conner just mm. separate from David Johnson and Nick Chubb. And uh, with DJ, it's just difficult with that offense being and, – and Blake says he's going to get his touches – um, but the efficiency is hard when the offense is just so bad. You know, they've got the lowest implied team total of the week, which saps some of his upside there. Um, I, th- I like Chubb a lot. I think he's fine. I know he had a receiving touchdown last week and had some stuff, but I think both Aaron Jones and James Conner are going to see a higher, you know, amount of targets out of the backfield, and their teams are expected to score more. Uh, I-, I have a tough time avoiding the workload of those two backs and I think Jones with all the hype around him I think he's still even a little bit underrated so uh, I think it's between Jones and Connor and uh, you know at that point it's really just a coin flip uh if you're going pure floor I'd take Connor over Jones if you really want to swing for the fences I could see a massive Aaron Jones game uh, if they get out to a lead and they can give him just a ton of carries yeah, Connor for me. So at first I was thinking Aaron Jones and Nick Chubb. Uh, those would be the two I would narrow it down to. And that, yeah, I would, I would have to leave DJ out, unfortunately. Um, that, you know, that would be a really tough decision to make. I don't know if I could even do it, but I, I probably would end up doing it because it would be Aaron Jones and James Connor for me. So James Connor, I, I mean, the implied point total, I think it's a 53.5 over under tonight or uh, for Sunday night. And, you know, you have to be in on that. Connor last week, four catches, 42 yards, 13 catches, 53 yards. So he's given you about 100 yards last week, all purpose. So that's a good game. Uh, If he gets in the end zone, you're loving that game for James Connor. So you have to stick with him. Uh, And then Aaron Jones is the big upside. I think they found out, you know, in the Packers offense Mike McCarthy kind of just found out okay look it's just, it's going to be Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones 
I, I tried u- utilizing all these pieces, oh, three-headed monster with Ty Montgomery, and, you know, oh, that's fun. And it just was awful, honestly, at one point with all these running backs. Now you have your workhorse. You have your wide receiver one. Okay, try to win some games with that. And so, I'll, yeah, I'll go Aaron Jones and James Conner. That would be a really tough decision to make, though, because, you know, Nick Chubb, I think he's going to do fine, too. I, I just think that you don't want to get in a situation where it's a negative game script, um, and that would be a tough, tough pill to swallow on, uh, in week 13. This, these, uh, these two actually are from Mutual Mortar 51 on Twitter. So that was from him. And then this next one, uh, this is also a great problem to have, by the way, but <laughs> Keenan Allen – Alshon Jeffrey. I don't know who has like these stacked teams. Like, good is this an eight team league? Like, what's going on? Um, yeah, I'm trying to visualize. Like, I can visualize how he got all these players on a team, but I'm having yes. a tough time visualizing. You know w- why he's having to choose between these guys to start. That's the part that because he's got Keenan Allen versus Alshon Jeffrey versus T.Y. Hilton in standard and. Yeah. I mean, those are three great options. I think you throw out Alshon right off the bat. I think yeah. he's a guy that I'm I'm least interested in him there. Yeah, uh, he, he hasn't done much recently. No, he hasn't. And, you know, they've been, you know, with Golden Tate there, they've been a little bit more spread out and they just haven't been as good and they're using Josh Adams. And you, I think you got to go the, these, you know, true receiver ones with Keenan or T.Y. If it was anything but standard, I, I think I'd give a pretty easy nod to Keenan Allen just because – of the amount of catches that he compiles on a weekly basis. But because it's standard, it's really close between him and T.Y. Hilton. Um, we'll see Jalen Ramsey's banged up for Jacksonville. Uh, I think he's questionable as of right now. So we'll see if he plays. If he was out, that obviously be a boost for the whole passing game and Hilton on the outside there for uh, the Colts. But I'm still going go to go to Keenan Allen. But I do think the standard component makes it a little bit closer. Yeah, I think Alshon's definitely the first one you throw out. Hasn't had more than four receptions, 50 yards, or a touchdown in his last four games. So not a very safe floor or much upside there. And then, like you said, being standard definitely plays into it. I think it depends where you're at in your league, too. At this point, I'm looking at these seven guys that are on this list from him. Uh, I would have to think that he's already locked in into the playoffs. And if not, I don't know what's going on, but he's probably locked into the playoffs. I'd probably play T.Y. just for the upside. I love it. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? Like, just hit a home run. Maybe yeah. you have something like in our league, a uh, top point score gets some kind of uh, money or something, you know. I- I'd definitely be going for the home run swing. But Keenan could have a good game, set up to have a good game, like you brought up the points total earlier. Definitely a good situation there in L.A., but I think T.Y. is going to have a slight edge for me. Yeah, I love that. Uh, yeah, I was thinking the same exact thing. Like, if you want that big, like, boom game and just, like, with all the implied points that he's already going to get, just play T.Y. and just really rub the salt in, uh, I love that. But Keenan Allen, like, his ceiling is pretty high for this game, and I love it because, you know, Melvin Gordon isn't playing. So Keenan Allen is going to be relied upon a little bit more. Um, so I, I love Keenan Allen this week, uh, even in standard, for that reason alone because I think the touchdown upside – is way up uh, with Melvin Gordon on the sidelines. So this is uh, an interesting one here. I think that we're expecting – like I'm expecting Carlos Hyde for the Jaguars to get a decent workload in this game. TJ Yeldon is obviously going to be used in the pass game, and we've seen him get a heavy workload carrying the ball too. 
So I, I think that you could argue the same thing, but I think they brought in Carlos Hyde for this reason. We didn't think that it was going to be because Leonard Fournette was like punching some guy with his helmet on. Like, like why would you punch anybody wearing their helmet? <laughs> like, why it's would you do that? And, and we've seen it before too. I guess guys just get so worked up. That's their only instinct is to throw some punches, but yeah. it seems like you could do some damage in some, you know, more efficient ways than punching a helmet. Yeah, I mean, in hockey, they throw off the gloves. I mean, throw off the helmet if you really, if you really want to fight. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so Leonard Fournette, he's, uh, it's such a disappointment for him to do that and then to just ruin, uh, you know, people are trying to get into the playoffs here. So if you picked up Hyde and Yeldon, if you were the Fournette owner, which one would you play, Mike? I think... You know, if you're in a standard league, I'd go with Hyde. He's going to get more of the rushing attempts, a better chance at getting a goal line rushing touchdown. If you're in full PPR, you go with Yellen with the passing work. So I'm copying out a little bit. I think based on league format, uh, you go with either of these. If, if you were splitting down the middle, half PPR, though, I think I'd slightly lean Hyde over Yeldon just because I like the touchdown upside a little bit more. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and take Yeldon. I think that they're going to have to pass the ball if they want to keep up with the, the Colts. And... I don't know. Maybe they want to slow down the clock with Hyde, but he hasn't been that efficient. So I don't know if they're going to be able to. I think they're going to have to get the ball to yield and let him see what he can do. And I think the touchdown upside that definitely is there for Hyde. But if Yeldon can get one of those longer plays, you know, from 20 or 30 yards out where he's getting a catch, that could be a possibility where he can run one of those in too. He's pretty athletic. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't long ago when Hyde was scoring a touchdown a week. Um this was very recent. So I think that both of these guys are very interesting this week. I, this was a tough one. I think Mike, you know, you said yourself, it was kind of a cop out, like going like standard, you know, whatever. I mean, it's true. Uh, definitely. If it's standard, I think that Hyde is like, it makes sense. And then if it's PPR, like full PPR, you definitely play Yeldon. Uh, so I, I would lean Hyde if it was half point PPR for the touchdown upside. They're going to want to run the ball. Um, and I think that Hyde's going to be their primary runner. Uh, I think Yeldon's still going to get something like nine, ten carries. So they'll split that, but I think Hyde will get a little bit more. Um, and I'm, I'm looking for him to score a touchdown this week against the Colts defense. I, I don't think that they're going to want to win on Kessler's arm uh, this week. Uh, but let's stay with Yeldon because I think we understand that he's probably going to get something like five, six catches, and you know he has the, the potential to break one of those. He definitely can score. He's a great route runner in the red zone. It's just how often are the Jaguars going to get there? So let's do Yeldon or Tevin Coleman. Blake, Tevin Coleman's your guy, so you start us off. Yeah, I'm kind of worried for Tevin Coleman this week. He has a tough matchup against Baltimore. But I actually think it might play into his favor in the passing game. I think that they're going to be bringing a lot of pressure. You know, if he does one of those chip blocks and then it opens up right outside, right outside the pocket, takes those little dump-off passes, those are the kind of the catches that he can take for – 15, 20 yards, sometimes find the end zone on those. So I think I'm going to lean with Tevin Coleman just because he's been a little bit more consistent this year. He's basically gotten you 10 to 15 points every week. So I think I'm going to lean with Tevin Coleman, but I think Yeldon has a little bit more upside. Man, this is a tough one. I think like if you're looking at matchups, like you're, you're pretty concerned with Coleman versus a, a very good Baltimore defense. But at the end of the day, uh, the touches and the talent level for Coleman at home in a domed game. Um, this offense still has been pretty good overall, even though I know the team has disappointed. I'm going to go Tevin Coleman, even though uh, the matchup doesn't look so great. 
Yeah, I'll uh, I'll stay with Yeldon on this one. I, I like the the. I think they're going to be you know coming from behind late in the game. So I think that if you know Hyde is going to get his touchdowns, it's going to have to be early because I do think and by the fourth quarter they're not going to be able to keep up with Andrew Luck. Like he'll find his rhythm at some point, especially if Jalen Ramsey isn't playing. So I'll go Yeldon. Um, I think that his, uh, you know, it, Tevin Coleman's just been so disappointing and against a Baltimore team that, uh, you know, has been good with running backs this year. I, I just don't see it happening. Um, I could be off on this. I think there's always, you know, a chance that he gets a touchdown, but I like the floor of Yeldon a little bit better with uh, as many catches as I think he's going to have this week. So let's move on to, our hot bowl prediction for the week. Mike, why don't you start us off? Yeah, so my hot take for week 13 is that, you know, I, I'm, I'm like scared of this one because my hot takes Kenny Galladay is the overall wide receiver one on the week. And my thought process behind that when I hit on this Lions-Rams game stack is that Lions are going to have to pass a bunch. They don't have a lot of options. I love Galladay's talent level. What's scaring me off it a little bit is I just saw Aqib Tlaib is supposed to return for the Rams, and that uh, is going to bulk up their passing defense a bit. But I'll stick with it. You know, I threw it out there. So uh, Galladay, 66% of the team's air yards the last two weeks, 30% of the team's targets. Uh, you just don't see workloads like this very often, especially from a guy of his talent in a dome game that could get up and down a little bit if the Rams get out to an early lead, which it looks like they should. So overall wide receiver one, hoping for something like eight, one fifty and one might be enough to get it done this week. Fantastic. Yeah. Tlaib scares me a little bit for sure. You know, he's going to get the volume Galladay will, uh, is his ceiling limited with a, a good Rams defense. I, I actually like the Rams defense a lot this week uh, in a DFS situation. I think they can, you know, if Tlaib is back, then that is a stacked defense, um, of course, even without him. Um, so I like the Rams as a defense play. But Galladay could still, you know, get his touchdown and, you know, he's going to get the volume. So I love that. I love that call. Blake, I love this one too, man. My guy Equinemius. Yeah, I'm reaching for the bottom of the barrel for this one. <laughs> Equinemius St. Brown. I'm saying he's going to be a wide receiver too this week. This is going to be his breakout week. Gets his first touchdown. Gets to do a Lambo leap. I think they're really going to rely on him. I've watched the last couple of weeks. Things have kind of shifted from Marquez Valdez-Scantling uh, towards Equinemius St. Brown a little bit. Devontae Adams is going to be covered this week by Patrick Peterson, so that's going to be a little bit of a tough matchup. I expect them to put Equinemius St. Brown opposite side of Devontae Adams. Hopefully they'll use some screens, anything to kind of get Equinemius open, kind of use Adams as a uh, decoy, if you will. And, you know, like I said, back to the Aaron Jones thing, I think they're going to run some to set up the play action passes, but I don't know how much they're really going to pound Aaron Jones this week. So I'm really loving Equinemius St. Brown. And I think at the end of this game, if Arizona can hold on and keep this game competitive, Equinemius St. Brown is going to have to make a big-time catch. And if he does, it's going to add to his fancy value because it's going to be in the red zone. Yeah, I agree with you that I think this is the week that we kind of really see him come forward as, like, the second guy uh, across from Devontae Adams because MVS hasn't been getting it done. Um, and we've seen Aaron Rodgers target Equinemius out of the slot. If, if, is Randall Cobb potentially going to play? That, that would be one thing. He could potentially play, but if yeah. he does play, I don't expect him to do much. He might be right. in there for a couple screen passes, but yeah. 
he hasn't scored he hasn't put up over 40 yards um maybe three or four games this this year and that was the first two games so not looking for much from Cobb even if he does return same thing with Jimmy Graham with thumb injury uh he's going to be out there most likely but I don't know how much they're going to look to use him yeah, I love Equinemius for the big play. And then you're right, even if Randall Cobb does play, it's been a while. Um, you know, he, he was limited last time he came back. We'll see if he can be completely healthy. Uh, but Equinemius should still see the field. My hot, bold prediction for this week, last week I had Lamar Jackson as a top five quarterback. He ended up getting quarterback 10, so I was off. Uh, but I'm going to go Lamar Jackson again because I really like that he's going into Atlanta with everyone looking at him as the next Michael Vick. And I love the fact that he has this opportunity to go crazy in Atlanta. And honestly, do you know how many fans will get behind him there if he can do that? I think that he is going to absolutely go off this week. You know, even if the Falcons do get up in this game, which could happen if they're clicking, which, you know, we haven't really seen the Falcons offense do. But, you know, let's say they get up like, you know, 17 to 7 you know you still have um the implied rushing of lamar jackson trying to come from behind so he's gonna rush to try and come back as opposed to pass uh even if he's down in a negative game script which you might think so i love that for lamar jackson this week so i i could say he's gonna go for two touchdowns and 100 yards rushing (laughs) i like it i like it I'm, i'm pretty high on lamar this week as well a lot of great quarterback options um, but I, I see the upside for him top three. Atlanta is dead last in defensive DVOA. You know, it's a dome game, pretty high total. And as you said, he's pretty game script proof just because he's probably going to be rushing in any circumstance. He's had 37 rush attempts in two weeks. Uh, we haven't really seen this in quite some time. I don't know if we've ever seen, you know, even with Vic, like we've seen rush attempts quite as high as we've seen out of Jackson these first two weeks he's played. Yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, it's kind of re- reminding me of going back to like uh, Cunningham a little bit, like the way that he, he would just drop back and then just run. <laughs> um, I think Warren Moon would do it too, guys like that. Uh, so it, it's really interesting to see Lamar Jackson do this. So I, I love him this week. Mike Leone, thanks for coming on the show, man. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Uh, you can check out my Work at dailyroto.com. We do premium DFS subscriptions there, or you can hit me up on Twitter at two hats, one mic. And again, thanks so much for having me on guys. No problem. Blake, where can the people find our stuff uh, moving forward? Hey, you can check us out about anywhere. You can check us out. Spotify, iTunes, Google play, iHeartRadio. Check us out on the fsgn.com, rotoballer.com. You name it. You're going to be able to find us there. Yeah, my uh, my coworker said to me today something like, you know, it's like, look, if I could find your podcast, I, I would listen to it. I was like, uh, excuse me, uh, we're on Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's not that complicated. Do you have Spotify? And then of course he said no. Like, oh man, well you know what? <laughs> I don't think that you're you're somebody who's gonna listen to my podcast. <laughs> All right, man. On behalf of Blake Sullivan, Mike Leone, my name is Steven Taroni. We will see you next week, folks. Good luck in the fantasy playoffs. Peace. Thanks for listening to The Hot Take Podcast. Check out Fantrax HQ and Rotoballer for your fantasy sports news and analysis. All the guys on Twitter at Steven underscore Taroni and at Blake Sullivan FF. See ya!